already said a couple of different times, uh, entering a new year. As I was uh, thinking about this morning being January 1st, 2023, I'm so proud that I said 2023, I recalled a prayer that I read many years ago, and uh, you may have heard it yourself. Uh, The prayer reads, Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped, lost my temper, I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent, and I'm really glad about all that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of this bed, and I'm going to need a lot more help. Seeing that we are in the first 12 hours of 2023, I think that that uh, little poem or that prayer applies to us this morning as well. I mean, we're 12 hours into the year and we're doing okay so far, but pretty soon we're going to need a whole lot more help. When you think about January 1st, too, you can get a smile as you think about that tradition of setting New Year's resolutions. Well-intentioned, rarely successful, and most of us have tried a few of those as well. But it is biblical to have times where you pause. To have times where you take that moment to think about where God has brought you from. And to be thinking about the different ways He's worked in your life. And to consider the lessons that He's been teaching you more recently. And then to prayerfully reflect on what's coming. And ask the Lord to prepare us for whatever it is that He has. Whether it's for the next season of life or in the case of this morning the new year that lies before us. And January 1st is a really good time for us to stop and have that kind of a pause. For the most part, I've discovered that years seem to fall into one of three categories. Um, Most of the time, it's a busy but ordinary year. You know, those are the years that um, are eventful. There's things definitely that happen. There are years that are really busy because most years are busy But there's no life-changing or really significant thing that stands out. It's just an ordinary, busy year. Then there are the years that have that challenge or difficulty, that mark it or that distinguish it. Most of us have experienced some of those as well. That that thing that takes place or that, that situation that we need to deal with or whatever it might be that we find really challenging. And if we were given the choice, we would say, you know, we really prefer to decline that experience. Thank you. And then there are transitional and life-altering years. Those are very select years that bring that truly transformational experience that moves us from one season of life to another. Now, you and I can anticipate what we think or which type of year we think 2023 is going to be, but of course, we don't know, do we? But we do know that whatever 2023 holds for each one of us, as well as for us as a church family, God will be present, God will walk with us through it, but we also need to understand that God has a purpose. God's got a purpose for 2023. For each and every one of us that are here today. And God also has a purpose in 2023 for us as a church family as well. You know, last week I was praying about this week's sermon. 
And I was saying, Lord, what passage of Scripture will speak to this launching into a new year, stepping into a new year? And as I was praying about that, the Lord laid this passage of Joshua on my heart. And so it's this chapter 1 that Spencer just got done reading for us. So if you're not already there, you might want to turn to Joshua chapter 1. And Joshua, as we're here in chapter 1, he's facing a real transition time in his own life, a new season in his own life. He, he has just been given the responsibility to lead the entire nation of Israel, and he's been given the responsibility and the task of leading them into the promised land. By the end of Joshua's life, the nation of Israel is going to be established in that promised land, just like God had said to Abraham 500 years before. Now, as we look at the conversation, that's really what we have here is a conversation between Joshua and and the Lord. As we look at this conversation in Joshua chapter 1, we're going to see that God gives Joshua two words. He's given Joshua two words. He gives Joshua encouragement, and then he gives him confidence. As Joshua is stepping into this new time, this new season, this new responsibility, God, in essence, through these verses, says, i got two things for you. The first thing is, I want to give you encouragement. And he's gonna, we're going to see how he does that. And then he said, I want you to have confidence. And we're going to see what God has to say about that. And not only does God give these two things to Joshua as he's getting ready for this really super significant task in front of him, but he gives these same two words to us as well as we face a new year. Because I just want to suggest that encouragement and confidence are two really good things to have. And so let's see how God delivers these to Joshua, but also the fact that he wants to give us encouragement and confidence as well. Well, it's important to understand a few things about where Joshua is coming from in his life. And so let's take a few moments to look at his background. First of all, Joshua was actually born a slave and served as a slave in the nation of Egypt. His parents had actually named him Hoshea, which means salvation. And then later, Moses renames him Joshua, which means Jehovah saves. And both of those names express this intense desire to experience God's deliverance. And Joshua is going to witness, in fact, he has, by this time he has witnessed God's deliverance as the Lord uses those ten plagues to deliver Israel out of bondage and into freedom. And so he's seen his name lived out. Jehovah indeed has saved, has delivered, has freed the people of Israel. Then Joshua was a soldier and the first commander of the Jewish army. The first recorded act that we have of Joshua in Scripture actually takes place just two months after they come out of the land of Egypt and they come up against a group of people called the Amalekites. And Joshua is given the responsibility to lead the Jewish men in the battle. And we don't know where he got that military training. He obviously has. And what we do know that while it's Joshua leading the men, it is God who will give them the victory as Moses prays over that battlefield. At the end of that battle, God indicates that he has chosen Joshua for a special 
future work and position. Because he said, the Lord says to Moses, write this battle, the account of this battle, write this as a memorial and a book, and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. It's interesting because this book that God tells Moses to start writing, we know it as the Pentateuch. This is going to become the first five books of the Bible. And, he's, and as he's recording this, as God's giving him this, he is telling these things consistently to Joshua because what Moses is being told to do here is to mentor Joshua. God's saying, I want you to invest in Joshua's life. I want you to spend time with him. I want you to equip him for the leadership role I have for him in the future. And so Joshua then becomes the servant and executive assistant to Moses. He's Moses' right-hand man. And that's a position that he will have, a role he'll play for the next 40 years. Joshua is also one of the 12 spies who goes into into the promised land. And he and Caleb are going to be the two guys that stand against the other 10. Because the 10 are saying, we cannot take the land. Let's go back to Egypt. Joshua and Caleb see the challenge in front of them, though, through the lens of who God is. And they say, you know what? The God who provided us victory out of Egypt will provide us victory and give us the promised land. They know that God is more than capable of winning the battles that lie ahead. But because the people choose to follow the other ten spies, that invasion is going to be delayed for 40 years. And then surely before Moses dies, Joshua is named his successor by God himself. In Deuteronomy chapter 3, God tells Moses, Charge Joshua and encourage and strengthen him, for he shall go over at the head of this people, and he shall put them in possession of the land that you shall see. And then a few months later in Deuteronomy chapter 34, Moses dies. And Joshua indeed steps into his place as the leader of the people of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. And then we come to Joshua chapter 1. And this is where we see that God begins this conversation with Joshua by giving him words of encouragement. He gives him three words of encouragement. And the first is, he tells Joshua, I have placed you here at this time and for my purpose. Look at verses 1 and 2. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, and into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Joshua, God says, I've placed you right here, right now, for this purpose. God has placed Joshua in this time and place to lead the people of Israel into the land that he's been promising since the days of Abraham. And now God's going to fulfill that promise. But it has to have been a moment of mixed emotions for Joshua. We have to remember, you know, Joshua is a person just like us, and he's grieving. He's lost 
his friend and his mentor of 40 years. He had had a ringside seat and watched Moses lead these three million wonderfully stubborn people for 40 years. Carrying the weight of that, all that responsibility, carrying the weight of decision-making, becoming an expert in conflict management. And now that weight of all that responsibility was being placed on Joshua's shoulders. He knew exactly what he was getting himself into. But God is saying, Joshua, I've placed you here. Look back, because I've used every season of your life to prepare you. When you were a slave, when you were a military leader, when you were an executive assistant, and when you were designated successor, I used every one of those seasons of your life. Not a moment was wasted. And as you've come to this moment, I want you to look forward because it's time for you to lead these people into the promised land. God has placed every single one of you right here, right now, for a purpose. You are where you are in this time By God's design, and God's got a reason. He's got a purpose. He's got a plan. And that's true for every single one of us. Everything that He has done in your life up to now has prepared you for whatever lies ahead in 2023. Now, you might be tempted to say, Yeah, but I'm no Joshua. I'm not going to lead God's people into the promised land. I mean, God uses other people, but God doesn't use me like that. Well, here's the thing. It is true that there are lives that have a greater width, a greater amount of impact than others. Impact more people or perhaps bring about greater change or whatever it might be. That's true. And it's very true that we live in a culture that measures people's value by the position they have and the impact they've made and the money and and all the different ways that we say somebody is is or is not of value. But God does not do that. In the sight of God, every single life is equally valued and important. The Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. He doesn't judge us the way that we judge each other. He places as much value on your life and on the purpose He's given you as any other person on the planet. Because every single person is of equal value to the Lord. And you are who you are, and you are where you are, and you're going to have the opportunities of 2023, whatever those opportunities are, by God's design. You need to understand that you are valued, loved, and you will be used. And then once you understand that God has said that, you need to believe it. And then live out of that. And then God goes on and he says a second thing to Joshua. He says, 
and I'm going to enable you to fulfill the purpose I've given you. I'm going to enable you to fulfill the purpose that I've given you. Look at verses 3 and 4. It says, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. But notice, from the wilderness, he says, I will give to you. I'll give to you. You know, this is not going to be the first time that Joshua's feet, the sole of his feet, have walked through the promised land, is it? And I really believe that God uses these words very intentionally because when God says, every place the sole of your foot will tread, I believe God's taking Joshua back those 40 years to when he was one of the spies in the land. His feet have trod this land. And you can picture Joshua's mind going back as he remembers what he saw. He, he saw the salt flats around the Dead Sea. He had seen the majestic mountains that surround Jerusalem. He had seen the fertile farmland of the Central Valley and the hills surrounding the Sea of Galilee. And those mental pictures come back to him. And he's waited 40 years for this moment. 40 years to hear the word that, yes, it's time, we're going into the land. Forty years of faithfully serving Moses as an executive assistant. Forty years of watching his whole generation die. Joshua watched his friends die. He watched his cousins die. He watched his siblings die. Forty years of knowing what could have been if only the people have exercised faith instead of fear. And yet 40 years later, we find Joshua here, and Joshua is strong, Joshua is faithful, Joshua is hopeful, and Joshua is ready for God to act. And while Joshua is going to lead the people, and while the people of Israel are going to have to fight, and some of these people are going to give their lives in battle, it is God who will give them the promised land. You know, there's a couple of things here for us. And the first is this. God is going to enable us to do all He's given us to do by His grace. He will enable us to do everything He has for us to do by His grace. Wonderful verse of Scripture, 2 Corinthians 9.8. And it says, God is able to make every grace overflow to you So that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. What a verse. Grace to overflowing. So that everything that you need, everything that is necessary for you and I to excel in good works that God's given to us, He gives us the grace. That's why in Luke, though, we need to understand Jesus taught the disciples that we always need to be praying so that we do not lose heart and get discouraged because prayer is the channel through which the grace of God flows. Prayer is the channel through which the grace of God flows. God gives grace as we ask. 
He gives grace as we ask. As we recognize in a moment, Lord, give me the grace to whatever it is that we know God is calling us to do. To hang on. To forgive. To to show compassion. To step out in obedience rather than going the direction I want. Whatever that is, when we can begin the practice of, of saying, Lord, as I step out, I'm taking the first step toward obedience. But then, Lord, your grace will help me complete it. We lift the foot in the direction God gives. His grace enables us to complete it. And so prayer is the channel of God's grace. Sometimes the second thing is we are waiting for God's timetable, aren't we? Joshua waited 40 years. <laughs> and some of you are waiting for God to do something in your life or in a relationship in your life or a need in your life and you so want God to do something, <laughs> to make a change, to meet a need. And God has you in his waiting room. Joshua teaches us that when we're in that waiting room waiting for God to act, stay strong. Stay faithful. Remain hopeful and trust in his timing and endure by grace. The third word of encouragement is in verses 5 and 6. And God says, I will always be with you. I'll always be with you. Verse 5. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause his people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now, here's the thing we need to understand. The fact that God is with us does not mean that we won't face the challenges of life. In fact, Moses faced incredible challenges and difficulties, and so will Joshua. The fact that God never leaves us in the midst of the challenges means that God walks us through the challenge in a way that honors Him and fulfills His purpose. He will walk you through the challenges of life so that you honor Him and you fulfill His purpose. And God says, I walk with you, I'm with you, I never leave you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Those are words that are echoed by Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 when he gives us our mission as his followers. Where he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. And so God gives Joshua and God gives us Words of encouragement. As we enter into a new year, God says, I've placed you here at this time for my purpose. And I will enable you to fulfill every purpose I've given to you. And I will always be with you. 
rock-solid promises, rock-solid words of encouragement. And God says, now that you've received this encouragement, move forward with confidence. Now that you receive the encouragement, move forward with confidence. Verse number 7. He says, Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. He says, Be strong. Be strong. To be strong means to be focused and determined. You know, in sports, we have this idea uh, that's referred to as mental toughness. It's the, it's the ability to focus on what you need to do on the court or on the field and not allow anything to distract you or anything to interfere with your ability to perform to the best of your ability. And it's that idea here, and it's that idea of, of being so focused and determined that you are moving forward with God, that nothing distracts you. Nothing distracts you. This would have taken Joshua, again, back to that day 40 years earlier when the Israelites had chosen to give in the fear. And in fact, that said, we are not strong enough to take the land. And God is saying, Joshua, don't be fearful. You be strong. You be strong. Be focused and determined. To be strong means that you and I, we don't give in to fears. We don't give in to doubts. We don't give in to disappointments. We don't give in to the distractions. And all these things come up in every one of our lives. But in those moments, we choose to remain focused and determined to walk with God and to do it God's way and to accomplish God's purpose. And then we're to be courageous. When we have this focused determination, what do we do with it? Being courageous means trust God, step out in faith. You trust God and you step out in faith. God's going to put the Israelites to a test of courage right away. See, they need to cross the Jordan River in order to get into the Promised Land. And we're told a little later in Joshua that as they're approaching the Jordan River, it's at flood stage. And flood stage... At the time that we're talking about the Jordan River at this time, you don't cross the Jordan River in flood stage because it's got these rip currents that would take anybody, grab anybody that steps into the water and will just drag you away and drown you. It's certain death to try to wade across the Jordan River at flood stage. And so what does God do? God says, I want everybody to line up, get the priests, put the, have them take the Ark of the Covenant, and I want them to walk into the river at flood stage, and then I'll do something. Then I'll enable you to get across. And so the priests grabbed the ark, three million people gathered behind them, and those priests walked right into that water knowing that if God doesn't do something, they die. And God parts the water in a very similar way as he had done the Red Sea, and the people crossed in safety. That's being courageous. That is trusting God and stepping out in faith, believing he'll do something. And then he says, live by my word. 
Don't turn to the left. Don't turn to the right. You walk right in the center of what I have said in my word. You walk in obedience. You walk according to my principles. You walk according to my design. And don't fear left or right. And he goes on in verse 8. And he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. The phrase, shall not depart from your mouth, is really pretty interesting. It actually refers to memorizing Scripture. You see, this is a time when people don't have individual copies of the Bible to carry around with them. And so, in order to memorize or know the Word of God, you had to memorize it. And so, what they would do on a regular basis is they would have priests or other religious officials would stand up with a scroll of Scripture and they would start speaking it out loud. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And the people would reply, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. And then they would add another phrase, You shall love the Lord your God. And then so they would go, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God. And on it would go through the passages, repeating it over and over and over again out loud. So they were memorizing the word. And then what they would do is they would go up and they would say the word of God back and forth, called antiphonally, back and forth. It was a regular part of their Jewish experience because it was the only way they could keep the word of God in front of them was to say it because there were no copies to read. And so what God is saying here is, know my word thoroughly so that you think and act biblically. Then he says, meditate on it day and night. That means to prayerfully reflect on it so that you understand it, so that you have wisdom with it, so that you can apply it to daily life. That's what meditation and reflection does. It enables you to take principles of God's Word and fully understand them, but then have wisdom, know how to apply them, so that when something happens, a conversation's happening, or a decision needs to be made, or you're, you don't know whether to go left or right on this, biblical principles come to mind, and you think through this biblically, and you apply Scripture wisely. But you can't do that if you don't know the Word. You can't do that if the Bible is not such a part of your memory, such a part of your mind, that rather than just having your thoughts, you have God's thoughts through His Word. That's what he's getting at here. And notice he's saying, don't let it depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. This takes time, commitment, and consistency to do this. You don't get this in an hour on Sunday morning. This is the Word of God just soaking into your heart and your mind. And then he says, now, careful to do all that's written in it. We need to know the Bible thoroughly. We need to reflect on the Bible prayerfully. And then we need to obey the Bible carefully. And then we, are, we can be strong and courageous as we live by God's Word. That's where our confidence comes from. You want confidence for 2023? Focus and determine to walk with God, trusting Him and stepping out in faith 
and soaking in Scripture into your life so that you live by His Word. And you can have confidence to step into anything that's going to happen this coming year. Come to the conclusion, this is Len. So take this one for what it's worth. I believe between 80 and 90% of every single thing I ever need to do is given to me in the Word of God. 80 to 90% of everything I need to do any day, this book tells me how to do it. Oh, no, it doesn't say turn on and watch this TV program or go do this or eat at this restaurant. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just the way that I relate with people and the way that I make decisions and what I choose to engage in. The guidance is right in His Word 80, 90% of the time. And then the Holy Spirit gives me discernment for the other 10%. Most of the time, we find ourselves freezing in life only because the Word of God is not so much a part of us that we think of the right Scripture at the right time. And so we freeze. And Moses just says, I mean, God says here to Joshua, you can be focused and determined, you can trust me and step out in faith, but you won't know what to do if you're not living by my word. And when you put those three things together, you've got a confident life. Be strong, be courageous, be biblical. And so let's wrap it up with just a couple of thoughts. First of all, understand this. This is not about perfection. It's about faithfulness. It's not about perfection. This is about faithfulness. You see, Moses is not perfect. And neither is Joshua. They both make their share of mistakes. And both of them have some pretty significant failures on their resume. But they were faithful. And God enabled them to fulfill the purpose he gave to each of them. It's not perfection, it's faithfulness. The second thing is, it's not about accomplishment, it's about growth. It's not about accomplishment, it's about growth. So often we measure the value of our lives by what we can check off the task list or the accomplishment list. And God goes, okay, that's okay, but here's the thing. Did you grow through it? Did you grow through it? God wants us to seek to know him more fully. He wants us to be seeking to love him more passionately. And he wants us to seek to follow him more closely. And God says, accomplishments are okay, but it's not about the accomplishment. It's about growing. And so stepping into 2023, we have received encouragement from the Lord so that we can still live with confidence as we live biblically, all by His grace. And so in a new year, may you be encouraged. And in this new year, may you be confident. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you 
for all the encouragement that you give us in your word, all the instruction, all the wisdom that is there. We thank you that you give us confidence, Father, that because we are in your hand and we are here by your design for your purpose, because you enable us with grace and because you are always with us, we can step out, Lord, with a focused determination to trust you, And to step out in faith as we live according to your word. May 2023, Lord, bring everything you desire in our lives. May we be faithful, God. And may you grow us in yourself. And I pray this over each one of us now. In the precious name of your son, Jesus Christ. And all of God's people say, amen. All right, would you stand and sing with me as we close?